All of 2018, I was in money mindset courses. I've taken all the bigger coaches' money mindset courses, and they're all very, very similar. It's go through your limiting beliefs, reframe them. There's a couple that I've gone through that have a little bit more subconscious programming with hypnosis. But what that did was it brought in financial awareness. And if you ever study with me inside House of We or Wealth Embodiment, we have something called the Arc of Financial Transformation, which is the five stages to create financial liberation. And these five stages, they go in a certain order. Before those five stages can even be activated, financial awareness is needed. That's where mindset is great. It's a gateway. It opens you up. It shows you what's currently there, and it shows you what you know about yourself. Embodiment shows you what you don't know you don't know. That's the deeper pattern. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic Podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in and enjoy. Welcome icons to today's podcast and one that I have to tell you, I have been anticipating and just leaning into this conversation and how rich I know it's going to be. I have a friend, Tori Washington. We were in the same circle of coaching community with Allison Bird, who you all know is one of my mentors. And I got a flavor for Tori Washington, but then she was a guest coach on another program I was doing and she literally took my breath away Mm. and she took my breath away for multiple reasons. Friends listening in, I really want to encourage you to go find her over on Instagram. Just absorb all you can because the thing that I really was inspired through was her way of articulating her message and her assurance of her message And how beautifully deep and meaningful the message was. And she just, she speaks my love language. So you will know her as definitely a speaker. You're going to feel that and hear that in your ears right now. She is a gifted speaker. She is also the founder of Wealth Embodiment Flow. I have had the privilege of having a taste of that. It's a beautiful experience. And also a business mentor. And I think that is a very small sliver of who Tori really is in the fullest capacity. But friends, I just want to dive into this conversation with her and share this beautiful woman with you because I know you're going to be blessed and expanded through what she has to offer. So thanks for being here, Tori. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. I am so excited to be with you today. I am so excited. And I wanted to start, if we may, because I know you have this big, beautiful story, but because there's a lot of things I'd love to squeeze out in this conversation, I'd love to start with the story of going into bankruptcy, Mm -hmm. because that was not too long ago, just two years. Is that correct? Two years ago? Yep. Two years ago. It was December of 2018. Yeah, we're coming up on, there'll be the third year this year, and it feels like light years ago, but it really wasn't. Yeah, it was so, just in the recent history, but who you've become through that experience to me is just the most incredible transformation. And I feel we're talking before we hit record that that was the catalyst, this trajectory into who you are in this world and what you're offering to this world. So would you maybe just share a little bit of that experience and how you got to this human being that's just speaking up and out in such a great way? It's funny because I've always, I was just telling you before the recording that I'm taking the vocabulary, it's crazy, it's insane out because I've been dreaming these moments up for so long. And in the dream, I didn't realize that bankruptcy would be a part of it, but it was. And I remember when I was sitting on the bench outside of the courthouse, my boyfriend had dropped me off. I didn't have a car. And my lawyer looked at me and said, okay, it's done. And I'll report back with you know the final paperwork. And it, it happens so fast. It's, it strips you in an instant. And then you're just sitting there with it and you're new. It's like when I walked in, I was one version of myself. And then when I walked out, I was another version of myself. And I describe it as I was at the first mountain 
the first mountain asks you, are you going to take sacred responsibility for your relationship with money? Which is really asking, are you going to take sacred responsibility for your expression as a woman? And in that answer, what I felt was the call to turn this into a masterpiece and then be an example and show the way for half a million women. And when I talk about money, what we're really talking about is financial liberation. So after bankruptcy, I had two different choices. I could go back to working a job, focus on building my credit score and bringing in more cash. Or what I did is I said, God, I want to start a financial revolution. I'm not the only woman who's ended up in this space. And I also know there's a ton of millennials who are considering this, which is insane. I was 28 at the time. And I thought to myself, okay, I have the space right now to take this risk, this financial risk. And I took it through the context of I'm an entrepreneur. So I didn't file bankruptcy as this broken woman who was her whole life was going to be ruined. I filed it through the concept of I'm an entrepreneur. And if you look up the definition of entrepreneur, it's somebody who's going to take greater financial risks than the average person. So I went in there and I said, I'm not going to go through this as, you know, Tori, I'm going to go through it as the woman I'm becoming, which is a badass entrepreneur. And this is a business decision that I'm making. I made choices that got me to this seat. I'm at the first mountain. I'm taking responsibility. And then within a year, we hit our first six figures. I founded Wealth Embodiment Flow in that process because I found that recovering from bankruptcy and reconciling my relationship with money had less to do with my head and my mindset and everything to do with how I felt and identified as a wealthy woman. And that all lives in my body. So I used embodiment as the bridge to turn my thoughts into a knowing, a knowing that I am worthy upon arrival, that I'm the prize. Money's lucky to find me because we're going to do amazing things together. After the first year, I had the same thought that many entrepreneurs had, and I'm I'm sure maybe you have as well. Can I do this again? Was this just a big fluke? Like (laughs) this seems a little, okay, 12 months, less than 12 months. I remember it was the summer. My bookkeeper was like, you're going to hit six figures this year. And I was like, oh, everybody told me that was never going to happen. Everybody told me it was not going to happen. So that we hit six figures. Then the following year, multiple six figures. We doubled, over doubled the business. And it just went up and up from there. At the end-ish of last year, I would say it was July or August, I hit the second mountain. And the second mountain asks you, are you willing, not can you, are you willing to sustain this? And what gets to die at the hands of your wealthiest, fullest expression? What relationships get to be completed? What aspects of your life get to be completed that are still requiring you to come off your throne and meet people at a level that you're just no longer willing to shrink to? And that second mountain, I said, yes, I am willing to sustain this. And in that conversation, there is quote unquote loss. This is the grieving that businesswomen feel when they hit new levels because there is a part of you that dies. Your relationships change. What you get to say yes to changes. What you say no to changes. So everything starts to reflect back to you that you're actually redesigning your whole life with money following your lead versus you looking at the bank account and being like, okay, you tell me what to do next because I don't know. Mm -hmm. And after July, I mean, skyrocketed. Everything just blew my mind. And then at the end of the second mountain, you hit momentum. And then you're at your choice point of you're either going to turn around and you might just stay where you were, or you're going to let the momentum take your breath away. And rare is a woman who lets life take her breath away because in that you're in the orgasmic state of like my head is back. I'm in my most vulnerable openness as a creatrix of wealth and life and nothing can stop me. I'll sink my teeth into anything that I want. And that scares people. And it scared me when I felt it. It felt a little bit like overwhelm. My, my mind wanted to be like, you're overwhelmed. There's a lot of pressure. But all that was was just momentum and overflow. And I wasn't used to holding all that power and all that expansion. So I spent the first two months of this year, because we had a $300,000 a year 
And then we did a $300,000 quarter and I, I sat in this hotel room and I was like, okay, breathe this in. Like, you do not go, you don't need any coaching. You don't need to go write this down. You just need to sit and breathe this in because this isn't going anywhere. Once the momentum takes you, it's just good on top of good. And doesn't mean that I don't have days where I get nervous or I have moments of spirals in terms of my patterns trying to sneak back in as I continue to grow. But like I said, that embodiment has built a bridge from I don't think about money. I know her. And that allows me to be in relationship with her in such a bigger way and in relationship with myself in such a more intimate way. Mm. Oh, your words. I just, I just love the way you communicate. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that piece of you. And a couple things came up as I was listening and you up level me in your presence. I am so grateful for this. You mentioned her as you were speaking about money. And that is a new concept for, I would say, most people listening in right now. Why do you call money her? Money to me, the way that I've experienced her is a feminine consciousness I also have taught men and I've taught in non-binary spaces and I'm speaking from my own lived body-based experience that as a woman, I believe the sacred journey we go on with money is going to be just a hair different than somebody who identifies as a male. And as I began to create more wealth, sustain more wealth, what I realized is that I was shifting my focus from being in that survival of when's the bill gonna come out, when's the next client gonna come, we gotta make sure this is here, like all that make sure, make sure, make sure energy turned me away from my sex life, my relationship with my body, my relationship with what I put in my body. Finally, when I was sustaining a level of wealth that felt like overflow, I was able to be more of me. And so as I relate to money now, I'm realizing that she wants to find me. She wants to move through the waters of my body. All the excuses run out when the, when the bills are paid, when everything's stacked in the bank, when your savings is where you want it. What do you focus on next? Your breath, your life, all the things that we avoid and say, I can't do it because money, I can't do it because money, can't do it because money. And so as I related to money as a woman, what I was doing is I was relating to myself. I was projecting onto money before bankruptcy and saying, you're the reason why I'm not here. You're the reason why, you're the reason, you're the reason. But really that was me shaming myself. So as I began to adore money and cherish her, ironically enough, I was adoring and cherishing myself. And now one of my mantras is more money, more me. We're half of who we really could be until we experience the level of wealth that we really desire and deserve. We can say yes to more things and we can say no. And I see it happen every single day. The choices that I make are so much more authentic to my feminine heart because I have this flowing through the waters of my body. So it feels more like holy abundance when I sit in ceremony with money as a feminine consciousness. And the feminine, if you think about that from the energy standpoint, she doesn't want to be owned and gripped to and needed and prowled after. She wants to be expressed and adored and seen. And that's exactly what money feels like. That's what the relationship feels like. I don't need to own her, secure her. I just get to express her and let her move through me on behalf of humanity. Whatever needs to be built through me, move through me, we can just do it a hell of a lot faster Mm. when we're in relationship with her. Yes. Ah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. And so I'm putting myself in the body or the mind of the listener right now. And I'm picking at things because I am following you, but I know there's some people listening in going, okay, so Tori just said, now she's focusing on breath and her relationships and her body because she has overflow. I don't have overflow. I want overflow. So I am not breathing and looking after my body and relationships. So how do you make that shift when you may not be in overflow yet? Such a good question. Oof. 
So let's go back to the mountains. When you stand at the first mountain, what's going to move that mountain is faith. Faith in your healing, faith in your reconciliation, faith in I'm not going to repeat my mother's money patterns, faith that I can do this. I can start the business. I can stack the cash. I can get the big month. I can create money. So that's going to be faith. At the second mountain, you're in a more intimate experience. You no longer can pretend that you can't make money. You've already done that. You've already showed your mind, hey, we just had an $8,000 month. We just did 10K in sales. We just did 100K, whatever it may be. So you can't walk this earth pretending anymore that money can't move through you and be created. The second mountain is where that answer comes in because humility is what's going to move that mountain. Would you rather be right about why you can't feel overflow right now? Or would you rather be rich? Would you rather be wealthy? Like you have to ask yourself that question. And in that question, a part of you does come to life. And it's like, wow. Because even after the first mountain, we're still attached to the why we can't have it because we're still in the conversation of I might lose it. So I'm not fully going to trust this. I'm not fully going to let myself feel overflow because it may leave me. Something else left me before, so why wouldn't this leave? Overflow is the experience of your full self. It has actually nothing to do with money. So before I got to that second mountain, my practice was not necessarily earning more, but expanding my power. Who am I in my fullest expression of wealth? That's where Wealth Embodiment Flow was born. We have a posture in that flow that's dedicated to overflow. So before you ever see the money, you're in it, you feel it, you create it. And then money, when it comes, it just makes that overflow bigger. But you're not waiting for money to come and then it tells you that you're in overflow. So that middle of the ground, I say when you're in between worlds with money, is when you have one foot in faith and one foot in humility. Mm. And you're like, okay, I'm either gonna go back there and just not believe that this can be sustained or I'm gonna keep looking forward, I'm gonna anchor and overflow right now, and I'm gonna trust that even with the like gnarliest financial history, which I have, I can sustain new wealth, clean money, powerful money, that is not necessarily giving me overflow, I'm giving it overflow. And that's how I looked at it. So it's a total flip. And this is all done right now. We're consciously talking about it. But for anybody listening, this doesn't happen through a conscious conversation. This happens with your eyes closed. I guide you through an embodiment practice, which is somatic movement, music, and breath. And you have to go through the body so that the body can teach the mind what this means. Liberation never happens in the mind. It only happens in the body. And then it communicates to the mind. Because the mind is crazy. (laughs) We're designed to pick out everything that's wrong. Like, here's this, this, is this. But the body knows how to be in truth. The body knows exactly where liberation is. So have you always known this? Was this the same person? So what I mean by that is the knowing, the acknowledgement. Were you that person in 2018 just with maybe some blocks or it what were the practices, rituals to bring you to this, this place that I know is being inspiring for everybody? All of 2018, I was in money mindset courses. I've taken all the bigger coaches' money mindset courses, and they're all very, very similar. It's go through your limiting beliefs, reframe them. There's a couple that I've gone through that have a little bit more subconscious programming with hypnosis. But what that did was it brought in financial awareness, And if you ever study with me inside House of We or Wealth Embodiment, we have something called the Arc of Financial Transformation, which is the five stages to create financial liberation. And these five stages, they go in a certain order. Before those five stages can even be activated, financial awareness is needed. That's where mindset is great. It's a gateway. It opens you up. It shows you what's currently there, and it shows you what you know about yourself. Embodiment shows you what you don't know you don't know. That's the deeper pattern. So I had all this mindset stuff. I remember we hit a 14K month in 2018, but then you see in the P&L statement, it goes all the way back down and then we did bankruptcy later that year. So it's not like I was 
not in the work. I was seeing it work, but what I saw was that it was an ebb and flow, it was an up and down. They call it the toxic manifestation yo-yo. One month it was working, then it wasn't. Then it was working, then it wasn't. And so I was really frustrated with all the mindset work, mainly because as a biracial black woman, I don't believe that all of my money blocks live in limiting beliefs. Some of them live in my ancestral bloodline. I mean, that's what we really are working with in wealth embodiment flow. There were things that was playing out that I didn't even consciously know, but when I talked to my mom or my father, and they talk about their moms and their fathers, I can see it was in me as I was born. And while it wasn't my choice to hold that pattern, it is my responsibility to break the chain and increase my proximity to money. It's my responsibility. Mindset work, simply put, this is my personal experience, will never touch that. It just won't. It's conscious. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, it's just, you have it's, all day because <laughs> this, this is so up my alley. I just appreciate this so much, so much because... I, I don't, you don't know this part of my story, but this I think will be a nice little play off of what you're saying. I was in the 1%. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in some months, what some people make in an entire year. And yet at the end of the month, I had no cash flow. Wow. I was scraping by, completely lost in this story and this narrative of there's never enough, but then shaming myself, feeling deep amounts of guilt because how could I create this much income and not have enough at the end of the month? Mm-hmm. And it was through acknowledgement because I really want people to hear what you were saying. It was through the acknowledgement of healing my inner child and the just the heritage I had walked through and had been born into. As soon as I acknowledged it, it wasn't even healed. It was just the acknowledgement of the Mm -hmm. very next day, $14,000 of found money was not expecting it dropped into my bank account. And that was the transition for that realization of what you're talking about is that it's so fluid. It's so available. It's so abundant. Yes. But this healing needs to be just acknowledge. I I use the word acknowledge because I feel like that's really what, what worked for me. Mm -hmm. So do you believe a lot of inner work and child work helps with, with this and the flow of life? 1 million percent. I think that as a businesswoman, It's your responsibility to move through inner child healing, specifically because your business is your spiritual awakening. In my book, if you're going to decide to make money out loud and teach other women about different aspects of their life, first thing that's going to pop up is your four-year-old self. (laughs) It's going to be like, hang on a second. (laughs) We don't do this. And so... There's a mantra we use in Wealth Embodiment Flow that says, money is safe with me because I'm safe with me. Mm. That's what happened with you. You were finally safe with yourself, so then, of course, more was safe with you. And to me, safety lives in the inner child healing work, and that's a huge part of the embodiment practice that I teach because it's not necessarily my 20-year-old limiting beliefs that are holding me back. It's memories that I remember garage sales where I first handled cash or when my mom told me no at this or my dad didn't pay child support for years and I was confused about where money was going to come from. All those things informed how tightly I gripped to it or how fast I spent it. We don't even know. We're in like a dopamine state when we're using money. We're You didn't know you were even using that much cash. You're like, hang on a second. Where is all this going? Well, that was the thing. And I remember not being able to understand it because I wasn't buying handbags and red bottom shoes. I mean, I was living a beautiful life, a great, abundant life with beautiful experiences, but I was not out there spending money and charging credit cards. So I couldn't identify why there wasn't enough until I realized those things that were told to me that money is the root of all evil. You're going to change when you become successful. I mean, I remember when I started my first business, my mom saying that to me and bless her, like that's her relationship with money, but saying you're going to change and it's not going to be for the good. So now I realize I got rid of it because I didn't trust it. I didn't believe I could be trusted with it. So it was this over generosity, giving to people and generously gifting and helping everybody I could because that was the only way I knew how to be in relationship with it. 
Wow, Jen. I, I, I want that to just land because we think of spending and we think of the handbags and the expenses, but spending can be sneaky. We can give money away in so many random spaces. I'm a, a chronic spender. Obviously, I filed bankruptcy. And I always say, I have these three archetypes I teach in Wealth Embodiment Flow, the spender, the avoider, and the hoarder. And I always resonated with the spender. But in that, when you do the inner child healing that you did, the magic of the spender is they keep the economy alive. They circulate money. I trust spenders so much because I know that they're going to move money. They're going to create a lot of momentum with money. And the biggest thing for the spender is to have a sacred why, to have a purpose for the money. Otherwise, the unconscious pattern will take over and you're like, sure, $1,000 donation. Okay, I'll do this. Oh, she needs to be paid for lunch. I'll get lunch for all of us. And there's no integrity in that. So such a powerful example to bring that into real life because sometimes we can talk about these things and it's like our head can get in the way and we get really heady about it, but it all makes sense when you really lay it out. Think about your real life. Think about the last five ways in which you spent and you'll see the pattern that's at play. We all have these archetypes. No one's free from it. That's why we're all meant to go on this sacred journey with money and take responsibility. It's beautiful. And I'm currently in the midst of a program called Soulful Sales, and I'd love us to have this conversation because I believe this is now what ripples into someone's business. I love that you call somebody's business a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely beautiful. So if you hear me saying that out there, friends, you know where I got it from. Beautiful, Tori, because <laughs> I, I may that may come out of my mouth because I just think that's a beautiful way of, of Spread thinking. the word. But I do have this acknowledgement now and, and realization with money that so much of that income that was created was worked through hustle, through grinding, this masculine energy. There's not enough. I got to get more, get more. And it obviously worked because the income was created, but it wasn't the type of income I wanted to sustain or have in my life, obviously. Yeah. And now this is this beautiful thing that's happening in business and life by this total surrender, this assurance and faithfulness in myself and what I have to offer the mission, the impact and complete surrender to timelines, how many clients that's going to take the numbers have almost dissipated. I don't even think about it really. And yet you open up your account and Tori, congratulations on a $300,000 first K. That's amazing. And you get to this point where you just expect it. It's just there. It's a friend. Yes. So how can someone go out into the world in this energy as they're still working on the dialogue? They're still working on the healing to bring this into their business and welcome in sales. I love this conversation because I'm obsessed with sales and I really see sales paradigms changing, you being a, a pioneer of that and so many so many people waking up to a new way to be in relationship with money, which is informing them a new way to sell. Because when we're selling, we're in exchange with what? Yes. Money, right? Yeah. So that's the main currency that we focus on. But I also think of two other currencies where exchanging energy and time, which in my book are actually more valuable than money. We just happen as humans to look at cash and say that's the most valuable but when I consider all three currencies, it immediately takes me into my heart. It takes me into my body. And I don't look at that person as a number, like you just said, dissipating the number. It's so beautiful because now you're in the exchange of something so much bigger. And when it comes to sales, what I always remind my clients and all my students, it does work to hustle. I'm not trying to say there's only one way to sell. I'm just trying to say you got options. You could go over here and do that. It totally does work. I did it for years. You could have amazing success with that. But there's another way. And that's where I don't love when I see teachers push one way. I just want everyone to know there's options because that's abundance. You know, hustle can be holy too. And you get to know and discern when that's becoming a toxic relationship in your life and whether that's the way that you want to be in relationship with money. This is why I always look at money as a relationship because it holds us accountable. And in sales, a mantra that I want everyone listening to write down is when your alignment 
can rest on the bones of your integrity, that's when feminine leadership is born. So this isn't about not going and getting it and working hard. This is about having a new standard. What's the integrity of the exchanges that you want to make? The masculine energy in sales, to me, is the storytelling. So we're telling a million-dollar story or we're telling a thousand-dollar story. We're telling a story. We're clearly articulating an offer. We're clearly and distinctly articulating a program. Sales is a feminine energy where you're receiving the exchange. So you got to know when to ebb and flow between both because if you're just telling and getting... You will receive, but you're not going to feel it. Anybody can make a sale. Not everybody will feel prosperous in alignment and in integrity as they're making that sale. This is a new standard, not just for your business, but for your life. It all gets to move into your life. And if you're treating sales as this hustling thing, I want you to ask, what's happening in my body right now? Mm -hmm. Because if it's happening in my body, it's happening in their body too. And now what I start to see is we're re-traumatizing people through a sale all to get the number. In my head, I still have this memory of an investment I made. I still to this day, I'm like, I shake my head at it. I was on a phone call and she wanted me to decide on the phone call. Mm. I mean, it was the biggest investment I was ever going to make. I was so scared. I ended up doing it and then I didn't sleep the next night. It was all kinds of messed up. And that's what we're taught in the industry is, you know, get their, their card out, do the thing and da, 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 da. And again, it worked. She got the 8K, but I did so much financial healing around that memory. And that's not clean money. That's dirty money. Mm-hmm. And in my business now, if I feel even a sliver of that, I always tell my clients, I don't want you to say yes. I want you to know you have three options. Yes, no, or not right now, Tori. And I respect all three of them. So every exchange my company makes is clean and clear. The integrity is there. The alignment is there. And everybody's sovereign in that exchange. Now, your nervous system, if you haven't done, and I love what you just said, that knowing if you haven't done the financial healing that's necessary in your nervous system, you simply just won't get there. Because you're in survival. You need the sale Mm -hmm. versus you desire the exchange. It's a totally different energy. Yeah. Yeah. We have a mantra. It's interesting. We should, how much we share. I have a um, joyful money. I only accept joyful money into my business and recognizing that sometimes when people are investing in themselves and making that commitment to themselves, because ultimately that's what that investment means. As somebody comes into the house of we, or comes into soulful sales, what they're saying is I am worth, I am committing to this investment of self, which Mm -hmm. is such a beautiful way of looking at the person who you were receiving that clean or joyful money from and recognizing too, there's going to be some nerves in the belly. There's going to be some fears that still come up of, Oh, can I do this? Should I, should I, can I afford it? Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, the person being able to relax in the trust and the faithfulness of us as leaders, conscious leaders, yes. that we are recognizing that commitment of themselves and taking that and pouring back into them. And I really believe in the coaching industry, especially we're kind of swaying into that, but I love your opinion. There's so many people in the coaching industry, which is beautiful. I love that. However, there's a lot of people in the coaching industry who are not healed, who are not stepping forward in a way of consciousness and leading from a place of really what I would call divine energy because it's healed. Mm-hmm. It's it's overflow. It's expansive. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I wonder how much I love the word, how you said re-traumatizing people. I wonder what's happening out there. How could somebody identify, Tori? I mean, you're a leader who I would highly endorse and recommend. What can somebody do out there to be aware of the leader in which they're investing in? What could they pay attention Mm -hmm. to? Pay attention if they are selling you on pain points. Because if they're selling you on pain, they don't look at you as liberated of that pain. And I look at each of my clients in their greatness. I don't need to sell you on your pain. You stay up all night thinking about that pain. You could tell me what the pain is in two seconds. I don't need to list it out for you. What I need to list out is what I see possible for you, 
what I'm seeing you become within this program. And I speak to that. And that's either going to activate you into a sales exchange, or I love what you just said, where you're investing in yourself, or you're going to say one thing. I don't even look at it as no, I'm not willing to have that accountability in my life right now. I don't want to hold you accountable to your pain. I'm holding you accountable to your pleasure. So I don't hire anyone that has pain points, period. You won't see it on my sales pages. I'm sarcastic at heart. I'm a Scorpio. So you'll see some sarcastic stuff on there. Like I could list out all your pain right now, but let's talk about something else. Cause I know her, I tell my story. She can see through me that one of our biggest values at my company is trust and integrity. So she knows where I came from. We don't have to have the same pain to move together and working together. That creates a trauma bond between client and coach. I don't want a trauma bond with you. I want to be, I take position number one, which is I'm right in front of you as a reference point of what's possible. Then when you take your step forward, I shift right behind you because you're going to want to look back. I'm a reference point of faith. And I just switch between those two positions. But I'm not here to convince you to join something because I have the same pain as you. We get to end that marketing style. And if you need to go there in order to validate to somebody that your program's worthy, I just highly recommend asking one question, who is she becoming? And how can I honor that through my sales language? How can I speak to that part of her? Testimonials will go up in quality. You're going to have a higher quality client, new standard. It's transformed my business. I see the way that you speak on it. I see the trust that's being rebuilt in our industry. And I still see people who are hanging on to that as their only way to sell. And so it's just an invitation to see what else you have within you. Gosh, I appreciate you because we just did a module and it's all about stopping the whole pain point approach. And instead, what is the opportunity? I love the word opportunity because it's playful. It's curious. It's an idea that there's more. And so why don't we look for the opportunities that we have to serve support guide rather than what you said, constantly picking at these tender parts of people and almost reiterating to them that they need to be fixed. They're broken. We're going to fix you. I don't sign up for that class. I just, and they're lying because they can't do that in six weeks. So I don't know what they're talking about. Anyways, (laughs) here's the thing too. I'll out myself. If you look at my content from when I first started, like four years ago, I got into the coaching industry. Everybody's doing it. And so of course I was like, I guess this is what we do. Here's a sales page template. And I'm just so grateful that, you know, I interrupted that within my own work and it's our responsibility to ask, does this feel good for me? Do I want to be sold like that? I always say, sell how you buy. I don't buy pain points, so why would I sell that? That Mm -hmm. feels interesting to me. So if you don't buy pain points and it turns you off, don't do that. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. I do feel on some level we have unconscious patterns in the coaching industry. Some people don't even realize that they're doing it. And so surround yourself in rooms with people who are doing it a little different so that you continuously recalibrate and redesign and create those new standards. Otherwise, you just simply won't. Yeah, there's a a little inner rebellion in me when I am in a group and everybody is doing it the same way and this is how you launch and this, I mean, even the way you launched your five-day masterclass I'm in this masterclass with you because I I just need some Tori in my life. But you also brought this out into the world the way I really feel is beautiful and the way I approach it. It's not, I'm going to sell you in this like agenda approach. Instead, let me pour into you. Yes, of course, there's opportunity to come in and have time together, obviously. But that's not the real intention through this is service. And to pour out knowledge and expertise and maybe a different way of looking at things. And so I just want to honor you and tell you, I really appreciated that because I watched it unfold and I was like, oh, I just knew right away we were soul sisters in that way and how we want to show up in this world because it does not need to be in a form of manipulation, which really is how I look at it in order for us to gain. It gets to be where everybody gains. Mm -hmm. Everybody is prosperous And when we click into that, I almost think of like a seatbelt, like click into the buckle, I suppose. 
that's when everything becomes unstoppable because I believe as leaders, one of our biggest gifts is being able to cast a vision for people. And so I want to be in a room where someone casts a vision and I go, I didn't even think of that or see that it's so far beyond what I've ever experienced or anticipated. Yep. That's the biggest thing. I love that visual of like buckling into that, like really taking a seat in that and What we do, and I've seen you do it, I've seen a few other coaches do it, when we open up the space, like you just said, there's going to be opportunities here to continue, but I'm actually here to give you value. We're One, we're building integrity within the space again, because I know about 10% of those women have signed up for something and it's been something where they're just sold the whole time. And then the other thing we're doing is we're normalizing investing. Money's not some dirty little secret, so why would I wait to the end of a sales call to tell you the price? You investing is not some dirty little secret. So why would I wait to the end of the masterclass to tell you, and there's this thing that I want you to buy. We get to know as women where we are perpetuating the conditioning that's been implanted within us, that making money is a crime and talking about money is a crime and investing isn't something that you get to do. Mm. The more forthcoming we are about it, the more we're saying investing is normal. Right. And you might invest with Jen, you might invest with me, you might invest in both of us. We get to trust in the abundance of the field and know that there's room for all of us. Mm-hmm. There really is. 100%. A lot of people listening into this podcast come from the network marketing industry. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting industry. It is its <laughs> own culture. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and so it was a beautiful part of my life, a beautiful chapter. And I owe so much in terms of memories and, and experiences because of it. However, a lot of people listening in have been taught that we don't invest in self. We only go to one person as a mentor. You know, anybody asking you to invest in a program, they're trying to make money off of you. And so I would love to be us, you and I right here, the voice to make a change in that dialogue and to help people understand that that is a form of manipulation as well. That Mm -hmm. is not expansive. That is a form of competition and comparison and ego. So what would you have to say to someone if they say, well, I've never invested in anything and I'm told I shouldn't and just go to this one person, what would be your words to her? I have so many. Mm-hmm. My whole body rejects that. Like My whole body's like, oof, yes. don't want that. The first thing that comes to mind is I always gut check with myself. Would that language be safe with the ones that I love? And if it's not safe with them, I'm not going to project it onto some stranger or somebody else. So that's number one. And this is where your business, we get to stop compartmentalizing. You're not living three lives where your business is here, you're here, and that thing's over there. You get to be the same person in every room you walk into. So if you wouldn't bring that to your bedroom or your living room, why would you bring that into your business room? Lack of integrity. So that's a gut check for me that no. And to say that that's the same theory of there's one way to make money. There's one way to do one thing. It's a very restricting feeling. So checking in again with your body, does that feel expansive? Does that feel like it's honoring your intelligence, your emotional resiliency, your feminine power? Does any of that get to live fully in that experience? And the third thing that I would say is you can do whatever the hell you want. Amen. (laughs) We forget as women the power of making a decision. Mm -hmm. And when we make a decision, we're taking a stand or we're writing a permission slip for something. So you're either writing a permission slip for somebody to follow in your footsteps and play small, or you're writing a permission slip to live your biggest, fullest life. We don't have to choose either or. We've just been conditioned to think that we do. I would recommend that you never be in a room with someone that's going to hold you so small that they need you to only talk to them to learn. I would highly recommend you get out of that room and be in a room where power stands next to power stands next to power. That's an important discernment to have. If you're in a room where somebody has to shrink their power to stand next to someone, you're in a room where manipulation and mind games are at play. But I love, and this is the stretchiest work I've personally done in the last six months, is standing in my power next to another woman standing in my power, next to another woman standing in my power, because we're taught 
that there's these threats and criminalizations happening and your nervous system is firing off and they're playing on that energy. They're like, yeah, only one, yeah. one coach. So that's a lot more than one thing, but no, <laughs> there's so much so there. Good. So much there and so much that was necessary, to be honest. You know, you've been described as timely. And that is exactly how I would describe you as well, relevant and timely. Mm. And the word abundance has populated and come up over and over again, but that's because of the conversations you evoke in people and the words that you are pouring out. I'm just so grateful for you and grateful, so grateful for, this. for you. Yeah, this just feels good. It feels connected. And you're right. There's no sense, even people listening in, we're so complementary when we stand in our power together. There is no conflict because there's this permission to each other, the evidence of to each other of we get to, and when we do, what are we capable of? And that is something I just hope people can lean into, maybe ground and anchor into today that you don't need permission but it is certainly a beautiful experience when you give yourself and other people around you that energy of just let's stand and like roll our shoulders back, take up space, mm -hmm. show up. I love that so much. And that's the future that I see for our industry, network marketing, the coaching industry is changing and we get to trust the timing of that change and it's not gonna be one person. If we think it's gonna be one person, we're back in that same conversation again. So we get to acknowledge when we do see somebody standing, you know, and my acknowledgement to you is saying yes to this. Like, yes, I wanna be in the room with you. I love the way that you move through the world. I wanna stand with you in that. So if you see anybody, anybody listening, if you see this out in the world, you see a woman stretching and taking up space, go acknowledge her. Go stand next to her and go be in relationship with her. I, I look at the way men, you know, network and make friendships. It's just so easy. And as women, we have all these things I need to move through before I trust you, before I open up to you, before I do this. Right. And I'd be so curious to see what would happen in our industries if we, like you just said, allowed each other to compliment one another. I really am curious. I'm going to hold that vision of what, what would that look like? It'd be beautiful be beautiful. It's our birthright. And, you know, now, and the thing to me, as we sort of close this conversation is once we learn and know something, we then can do better. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like when we, I I'm bringing in the word sin, but this is how I think of it is when I know better and then refuse to do better. That is like, to me, the sinfulness, because mm -hmm. there's an opportunity. I haven't taken it. We all know now through this conversation, I mean, it would be, I, I can't imagine somebody listening in and not receiving from this. So now what can you take forward from this conversation and put into your life to move forward mm -hmm. and create this with us? Because it's not Tori and Jen's responsibility alone. It's all of us as a collaborative. Yes. So I, I want to ask you this question because I called the podcast becoming iconic because the word iconic made me so uncomfortable as a woman. There was this word kept landing on me in 2018 and I, I really was resistant to it. It felt egotistical. I'm better than if I'm iconic, that means somebody isn't. That's how my brain was back in 2018. Mm -hmm. And then I realized this in this discomfort is my growth is this knowing that I can step into becoming iconic. And so can she, and so can she, and that will look different. The experience, the journey, the path, the climb of the mountain will look completely different, but that will be our own form of iconic. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know how Tori is going to be iconic today. I love that word. There's something I teach where I allow women to sit with the the energy of the moment you cut someone else's expression of wealth down, you cut yours in half. The minute we judge somebody for the way they're going to express their bigness, we cut ours completely in half. And that was, as you were saying that, uh, that's what you, it seems like you came out of. And I love that you stand for that. I feel most iconic in God's image, most iconic led by, there's like a blueprint that I continuously ask, teach me. I'm like a student of that blueprint. And I feel most iconic in that relationship with God and the creator that allowed all of this to be possible through me and for humanity. So 
as I teach this afternoon, I'm going to sit in that seat and continue to start the revolution. Yeah, friend, you do that because it's beautiful to watch and witness. It really is. And so I will have friends go down into the show notes here. Tori's information there, her website, how to connect, all the things are there. And I want to actually do a call to action. I've never done this on a podcast before, but I'm going to call it out today. It feels right. I'm being drawn to that. So let's go there. Is that we share this with as many women as possible today that you tag Tori tag myself if you feel so inclined to, but that we share this message. So what we were speaking about, that we each stand in our power, that message is spread today as a result of this conversation. We never know who this will land upon at the right time, at the right place. Mm -hmm. And so that's my call to action today is that we really be generous in our shares and generous in our love and gratefulness for Tori and, and the beautiful wealth of information she just poured out to us. So thank you, Tori, so much. Thank you for having me. This was such a powerful conversation and I can't wait to see it in the hands of so many other women. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I wanna challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there and make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just just want you to make it a great day.